and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Janine Howard, I am beside myself to be doing this interview with you because I've known you for ages and you're friggin' amazing and I can't wait to hear your whole story and be able to share it with everyone. So let's start off with telling everybody what it is you do. Hello, Jules. And we actually had the pleasure of seeing each other in person recently. And so for the first time in ages, for the first time in ages. So doing this, uh, technically is, uh, is also fun, always fun. Uh, so good to have, have me here. I would love to, um, to share a little bit, I guess, not necessarily the normal bio that people would give. Right. My, my journey in business is that I had a long time doing magazines and being a magazine publisher and editor. And I realized at one stage that doing the business the old way, like everyone tells you how to do it and that it's scalable and make more money and all of the things is the exact opposite of what's actually true for me. And so over the last eight years, I have, I guess, been in a process of unbusinessing the way I do business. And that is what I Great. teach now. I, I teach women how to unbusiness their business. And obviously there's oh a little bit God. more to that, but that that's in a nutshell. No, 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 no. But so intriguing. So my next question is always why, why did you set it up? But why don't you just explain a little bit more about what you're doing and why you set it up? And then I'm going to get you to tell us the whole story from, you know, when you were in high school yeah. till now. So what I am doing, I'm a feminine business coach. So I teach women how to do business in a way that is akin to how a woman, how she physically, spiritually, emotionally uh, feels connected to running a business. And so what happens is that when when I teach my clients how to do this from a more feminine aspect, which I often say is 90% of your business is the feminine way, which is the energetics of your business. And 10% yeah. is the masculine, which really holds the feminine flow. So you're able to, you know, your systems, your structures and planning, all of that actually allows you to sit in that beautiful feminine space. So generally women work with me often after they've been in business for a few years so like me, they, they came to a point where they're like, oh, it's just not feeling good anymore. It's feeling heavy or it's feeling hustle or it's just not feeling flowy anymore. Yep. Or perhaps uh, a life circumstance changes that doing it the old way doesn't feel good anymore. And so I help them unlock what I would call is their soul essence. Like what is really true for them? What really wants to be birthed through you and out to the world and in a way that just feels really effortless and, and easeful for, for you. So it's pretty magical. (laughs) It is magical, but I just also want to say, having met a woman, I think it was about a year ago who said to me that using her feminine energy in business. And she was like, let me tell you a secret Jules. And I was like, Ooh, here we go. And she was going, if I want the guys to pay attention to me in the boardroom, I just drop something on the floor. And then I lean down to get it and I show everyone my boobs. And then by the time I come up, I've got all their attention. Now I just want to say, it's not like that, is it? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I know you are not that kind of a 
woman, but I just, uh, it's not about exploiting your feminine wiles in order to get your own way in a very inauthentic way. It's much more down to earth than that, which is why I love you so much. <laughs> yes. And, you know, Jules, you know me very well. Everything about me is down to earth, but also a paradox is, you know, the other end. We do like our champagne yes. and all things luxury. And so, no, and I guess too, like that's an old perception of what it is. It means to be feminine. Now, if I put mm. on a beautiful dress, or if I'm, you know, flash my cleavage, and you know, have the the men drool over me, it's really actually about your using your intuition that has been there all along. And the the way that I explain this is often, if you think about being a mother, so those of the listeners here that have had children you have an innate sense of what's happening with your child. Like you, that mother's intuition, there's just a knowing. Yep. When you apply that same innate wisdom into your business, what starts happening is that you actually start planning, start marketing, start like even um, strategizing the way you do business from a very deeply intuitive space like a breadcrumb, little breadcrumb, one step here, one step here. And the way that that then builds becomes far more energetic and far more magnetizing than doing it the old way, which we'll talk about too. So it's nothing really to do with what you wear, although no, it know, can it's be. It's nothing to do with men, women as well. It's, you know, the masculine feminine is a real energetic. We all hold that energy. However, the challenge has been that for women, we have been put into a system and a society of running our businesses that's patriarchal and it yeah. doesn't fit with us. It doesn't fit with our bodies. We've, you know, all most of us at our age have got burnout, adrenal yeah. fatigue, you know, chronic fatigue, like health ailments. So it's proven it doesn't work. So there is a, a new way of doing it. Well, I absolutely love this. And I mean, the best way that I can understand it is what's happened to me and she's the boss. I've just finished doing a podcast interview five minutes ago where I went, handle your own PRs, my other business. It has been a grind from day one to explain it, to run it in a certain way, blah, blah, blah. And I've obviously worked with lots of blokes. She's the boss has come along and it's almost like it's just flowing through me. You know, it's like the universe has just said, you're a vessel, off you go, and this is just going to happen. Um, and I love that description that you've done. So, okay, so next question, and I am really interested to know if there was a light bulb moment. Did something happen in your business career where you suddenly thought, I've got to do this, I'm just going to start shifting the whole sort of, you know, dialogue? Absolutely. For me, so picture this. So I've got a, a magazine company. I've got the gorgeous office. I've got the team. I've got the the money, the revenue, the, the fabulous, fabulous darling, fabulous darling life. And then I get <laughs> pregnant with right. my first child. And instantly it became really apparent that even just birthing a baby and running this magazine publishing empire was not going to mix, right? The lifestyle that I had had to date was just not going to translate into birthing a healthy baby. Yeah. So I started pulling it back a little bit from my business. And when I finally had my child, I actually had, I was a full, 
you know, corporate fashion magazine and all of that, I actually ended up having a home birth, like a drug free, right. completely <laughs> like hippie, you know, channeling goddesses home birth. Beautiful. Crazy. Like the opposite of who I thought I was. And so once that baby was in my world, I simply could not go back to the way that I was working before. I just wasn't available in any way, shape or form. And so for me, I made a decision to sell that business. I made a decision of who would buy my business from me and they did. (laughs) And from there I have consciously, so my son is now eight years, uh, nine years old. So about eight years ago this happened that I sold my business. So over the past eight years I have consciously created my business or businesses from a space where it must not require a lot of my time. It must fulfill me. It must bring me joy. It must be transformational for my clients and it must give me ultimate freedom. And I must be able to retire my husband. Oh, I love that. Why? So I chose and we chose together that I didn't want to be a solo parent. Now, yep. often what happens with women, they end up yep. being the solo parent. You know, husband mm-hmm. goes off and has a full-time job, and which, to be honest, we all know that's sometimes easier, right, than running oh, yeah, a business and having going kids. going back to work after, after the baby's born and you go, oh, my God, going to the toilet without having people open the door and sit on my knee or my feet, being able to <laughs> eat lunch, the excitement of having half an hour off to eat lunch. It was <laughs> right, very different, so, yeah. So we consciously decided that he wouldn't have to work so that he could be available to to co-parent with me yep. 50-50 and he also got to have his passion. So his passion is acting and singing. So by selling the magazine, we then moved from Sunshine Coast to Melbourne. Um, I'd grown up in Melbourne and that's when obviously we connected back in those days that he was off doing his acting thing. I was able to run my coaching business Um, I did also have another magazine at that time. However, it was a quarterly baby, little one baby. Yeah. So it was a quarterly publication. So a little bit less time and effort from me. Um, it was great, was so profitable. And yeah. So since then it's literally been one step after the other of trying something on for size in business, then realizing, Ooh, that's actually still feeling a bit heavy. Okay. Move it off move it off, move it off to the point where I, I come to today and people go, how, how much do you work? And I'm like, I don't even know. I don't think it's much. <laughs> Great. No, that's, that's right answer. Okay. So let's go back now to when you were a little girl and get us to the stage of where you are now. So where did you, you said you grew up in Melbourne. What sort of size family did you grow up in and what did your mum and dad do? Well, I grew up in the burbs of Melbourne at the base of the Dandenong Ranges okay. in a, a little little town called Montrose. And <laughs> yeah, Very was, isolated. Well, not isolated, but definitely in the country in those days. <laughs> in those days it was. And, you know, look, we, you know, I grew up with my mum, um, my, my stepdad, uh, my sister, and, you know, we were pretty much the Aussie Battler family. Right. Okay. As a kid, you know, we rode our bikes around the streets and played on the oval and went up to the park and had that real, you know, naive, idyllic childhood. But just knowing that money was really short, all right. it was constant that 
money's short, all the things. So, you know, so did both no your holidays. parents work? Yes. In fact, um, I think my mum was doing three jobs at one time. She was working wow. at the Peter's Ice Cream Factory. So that was actually yeah. kind of cool because we got lots of free ice cream. <laughs> um, cool, excuse the pun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but remember in those days, and for those of you who were kids or adults in those days, uh, interest rates were about 18%. Which no one can believe now, of course, now they're going up to 3%, but yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, times were tough and all of the things. Struggle. And then my my mum broke up with my stepdad. So she'd already divorced my my actual dad when we were 18 months old. My sister and I are quite close in age. And right. then going through another separation um, was really quite disruptive, obviously, but their relationship was very volatile and there was a lot of shouting in our house and a lot of alcohol right. and all of the things back in those days. And so mum then turned into a single mum. Right. So mum literally was having to do three jobs all on her own and pay the mortgage all on her own and raise two small girls all on her own. And I guess I was modeled that women can do anything. Yep. Women are independent and they don't need men. I was modeled all men are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I was modeled look after yourself, girl. You've got no one. Yep. Etc. Etc. Right. Very independent. So then as I grew older, I grew more and more independent. Well, I was going to say, well, let's say, let's go to school next. So did you enjoy school? Were you good at school? What do you think, Jules? I, I reckon you were very good at school. I imagine that you were, but I don't know because there's a very naughty streak that goes through you. <laughs> don't tell them. Um, so, yes, I was, um, I was, you Rebellious. know, AB student, you know, teacher's pet, Loved school. I was very studious. I was always the one who put up my hand and the answer is blah, blah, blah. Yes. So I was really good girl. But it was really interesting that, yes, I did have this rebellious streak through me um, and my teachers were okay with it. I remember yeah. back in school no one was allowed to smoke. Like it's just you're not allowed to smoke. However, I got accepted. The teachers would go, okay, I'm just going to do a toilet check in 15 minutes, so you might want to go now and have your cigarette. Stop it. They did not. They did too. <laughs> oh, because they didn't want to catch the bright girl. So what happened when you finished school? Did you think was there a sort of a natural move to uni or did you go straight into work or what did you want to do? Yeah, I went straight to uni and I, I think at that age I – still wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew it was something either. I remember it was three choices. One, be a nurse, two, right. become a teacher, or three, become a secretary. Right. Which one did you choose? <gasps> I chose a teacher. Yes. That's the one I always wanted to be as well. I wanted to write on blackboards. That was yeah. my thing. <laughs> Right. And, and I also learned how to write on whiteboards. So whiteboards yeah. had just come in. It was very, very new and oh, fancy. So actually I did four years of a, a bachelor of secondary teaching. So I wanted to be a high school teacher okay. because I thought all of the students would be like me, that they put up their hand and they'd say, the answer <laughs> is, and then I started teaching in schools during, you know, third and fourth year, you actually get a lot of in-school experience. And I was like, oh my, what, well, hang on, what's going on? <laughs> You didn't do your homework? I don't understand. You Stop talking. What's going on? Like none of them wanted to be there. 
Right. <laughs> right. So how long and did so, you last at that for? Yeah, and really by fourth year of doing my degree, I was like, I'm just not available to do this job that I thought was going to be all, you know, I'm, I'm shaping the next leaders of the future and them not giving a hoot. And so once I finished university, I decided to become a tour guide. Of course you did, because that is actually a really logical next step. Right. <laughs> you wanted to travel, I guess, though. Was, was that sort of a lot of the motivation? Potentially. So for me back in, in fact, I don't even think my brain thought about traveling because I've been so insular living in the, the small life that I had. Yeah. For me, it was more about, um, because I was a, uh, a biology teacher. Right. So instead of teaching in schools where it's really boring, I thought, well, if I actually go and teach out in nature, it's really fun. And to be honest, ah. Jules, it completely worked. So I did a lot of, uh, Holiday programs down at uh, the Phillip Island Penguin Parade. Oh, yes. The Koala Conservation Park and all of these things down in Victoria. So it was super fun, super fun. Didn't pay much money, but it was super fun. So I was like, yeah, this is good. However, I I really needed like a a proper full-time job. And so I gave myself one year, just one year after university, and if I didn't land the dream job, I was moving to Queensland. Right. Ironically, you're there. So I'm guessing, guessing maybe. It <laughs> so, so what did happen after a year? So it was literally coming up to a year, like three weeks before a year. And I knew this is D-Day. Like I'm, I'm waiting. I know that I'm going. Like I just had this intuition that I was moving to, to Queensland. Didn't know how. And I remember I was reading. Hey, the hang on age. a minute, though. Did you have rallies? Did you have Nothing. family up there? What What was the attraction? Just that it was sunny. Uh, that it was nice. sunny, and for some reason, it felt like the land of opportunity. Right. That's all I knew about Queensland. Well, it was probably the last frontier, really. <laughs> yes, exactly. Back then. <laughs> Back then. So this is in nineteen. 19- 97. Okay. Early 97. And so I was reading the the age newspaper. And if you imagine back in those days, it's, you know, huge, this massive broadsheet, yeah. Broadsheet newspaper. And it, I was disappointed because there was nothing job wise. And I got to the very last page. And as I turned it over, there was this tiny little ad and there was no picture or anything. And it said, study in far North Queensland, Mossman. Oh. Heritage and interpretive tourism. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I rang them up and it was how to become a professional tour guide, you know, at the base of the Daintree National Park in Mossman, wow. not Mossman, Sydney, Mossman past Port Douglas. Right. Wow. And I think the population was about 600 people. <clears throat> so I went, all right, well, I'm coming. I'll be there next week. And I literally <laughs> got in my car and drove from Melbourne all the way up to Port Douglas which took you a week in itself, I would think. Correct. And yeah, had no house, no job, no nothing, just arrived. Oh God, I love you as a, as a, I mean, I love you now, but I loved you as a young woman as well. So what do you do when you've only just arrived and uh, you've got no job, you've got no, ha- well, you've got a job, I assume, was it a job or was it just um, <clears throat> studying? Study. <clears throat> Right. So you've arrived to study. What what do you do next other than get a job fast, I imagine? Well, 
<clears throat> Sorry, go on, get it out. <laughs> Fog in your throat. <laughs> Within. <clears throat> Perhaps I'm not <clears throat> ready to tell my story. No, no, it's okay. I've marked it. If you want to have a little cough now, I'll ask you the question in a minute. All right, I was trying to put on uh, mute. <clears throat> it's all right. I'm, I've, I've marked it, so he'll cut it out cool. anyway. <clears throat> Wait till you're ready, and then I will ask you again. <clears throat> Ask again. <clears throat> okay. Hang on. So what do you do when you've arrived somewhere as a young woman to do a course and you have nothing other than your car? I literally walked into a tourist information shop. So I, I yeah. arrived in town, walked into a tourist information shop, and I said to her, hello, I've arrived. She's <laughs> like, arrived where? What do you mean? What are you talking about? And so I told her the story that I've literally driven all the way from Melbourne all by myself and I'm, I'm coming to live in Port Douglas. And so she told me to go to the backpackers, start there. And I remember at the time I was thinking, all right, well, I'll, I'll get a private room and I'll, I'll just work this out. I'll find a share room. Anyway, so I go to the backpackers and I've got about 18 bucks, like to my name. There's, yep. there's no money. And so the private room is like $50. Right. <laughs> so he, he said, well, but you can go in a shared dorm and that's $12. Yes. Now thinking, right, so if that's $12, I've got about $4 left. I could probably buy a beer at the pub. That's about it. But back then I was so, again, naive that I was absolutely petrified of the thought of sharing with people I didn't even know. So right. anyway, I was brave, brave. And I, I went and shared this dorm and there was a girl from Germany, a girl from England and a girl from uh, America. Right. And they were divine. They just, they shouted me dinner. They shouted me more beers. So everything worked out. And I tell you what, within three days of literally driving into that town, I had a part-time job waitressing. I had an amazing house that I was sharing with a, a handful of girls, like a gorgeous house. Yeah. And I started my new course. And literally from that moment, Everything fell into place. Into place. <laughs> I started working on the weekends at a wildlife sanctuary doing tours and also right. cleaning the bird poo off the rails. As you do. <laughs> As we do. <laughs> and seven years later, I was the second in charge of oh, that wow, wildlife sanctuary. Oh, wow, you stuck around. I stuck around. Oh, I God, you're up- an interesting woman, aren't you? Okay, so <laughs> you ran a wildlife centre <laughs> for a few years. Where do you, how have you ended up in magazines? What was the next step after that? Yeah, so what was interesting, during the uh, working for the wildlife park, like I was a tour guide and I trained all the other tour guides, but I had a natural talent for talking. And right. so when in a, whenever any TV crew or anything came to the park, I hosted them. So I've hosted Getaway, Great Outdoors, uh, you know, all of those shows yep. many, many times. Postcards, you know, with the likes of, yeah. Uh, postcards with David Rain and yes, the- uh, all of the, them. <laughs> and so then I naturally started getting to the marketing side of things and running the, the radio ads and the magazine ads, et cetera. Right. Through my connections with the magazines when I was advertising in it, I remember one day the owners of this particular magazine said to me, so maybe you could come and work for us and dress like a lady for once. Oh, my God, they didn't, did they? They did. <laughs> and, you know, look, I, I was the most stylish safari-wearing wildlife keeper known to man. However, 
um, yeah, and I actually just decided, yeah, I'm I'm off. I'm gonna time to get out of the car key. Time to get out of car key, and I've been fashionable ever since. <laughs> so, you have been certainly. You shame me, that's for sure. You always look so fabulous. So, okay, next step was um, working for a magazine. Which magazine was it? I worked for a magazine called City Life Magazine in Cairns. So right. that was the big smoke to Port Douglas uh, and loved it. So I started as an ad rep and, again, I ended up running the show, kind of the thing that I apparently do. And so we ended yeah, your up management developing. Material. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I'm always thinking differently. How can we do this differently? How can we do it better? And so we took that magazine from one magazine to three. So we had yeah. Cairns, Towns, Mackay very successful. I was flying to those different areas, creating relationships and managing the teams and all of that, loving it. Just, you know, it was amazing. And so it came to the point that that got the attention of a very large media corporation. Right. So the media corporation bought out the magazine and they bought me as part of that. Right. So I was contracted to work, I think it was for, for 12 months um, that I needed to, you know, work with them and hand the, the operations and everything over. Um, I don't know why they didn't actually just give me a job, but they put another general manager in, which made me a bit miffy. Um, yeah. But then they were like, well, what are we going to do with this girl now that, you know, she's handed her over? And so they offered me to go from Cairns to the Sunshine Coast and head up mm. a whole magazine division. Right. So I said no. I said no. <laughs> no, thanks. Right, so- I love cans. It's amazing. I've got friends here and a loving life. And anyway, long story short, they asked me three times. And on the third time, I was like, oh, isn't there that thing about, you know, three times and you're in or something? Knocking twice, three times, something. Anyway, I was like, right bloody whatever, I'll go. And so, yeah, within four weeks, I was on the Sunshine Coast. We literally walked into a house that we bought on the internet yep. and <laughs> went from there. There's another bit to this story, so depends how long you've got. But this We, we have plenty of time. Tell me the next, the other bit to this story. So arrive on the Sunshine Coast in my new job. It all sounded very fancy. When I got there, it was the opposite of fancy. In fact, I think, you know, I was shoved in the corner somewhere, you know, with like the leftover furniture. Um, Right. (laughs) And all of the staff were, they didn't have laptops. They didn't have any access to anything. Like it was just a shambles. In fact, it was such a, uh, I'll say shambles instead of swearing, that six (laughs) months after working there, Six months on the day, I walked into work. Yeah. I did a little bit of work for about an hour. I ran across the room. By the way, this is like in the middle of like a newspaper floor with yes. staff everywhere, staff everywhere. In front of everyone, like 200 staff, I ran all the way to the toilets, had to throw up. I was feeling that sick to my stomach about working here. Um, everyone thought I must have been pregnant. And then I came out, right. picked up my bag walked out the door and never came back. Wow. Oh, I just, (laughs) your bravery is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, go on. (laughs) Yeah. So I walked out the door, very dramatic, never came back. 
However, within three months, I had my first own magazine out in the streets. So that's amazing. And is that Profile Mag? Yes, correct. Yeah. Right. So you started your own media empire. I love that. I did. Yeah. And what was, um, you know, it was pretty big to do that back then because it was the boys club, right? (laughs) I was was literally going head to head with a major media corporation, the boys club going out on my own as just this chick and me, myself and I. And I remember my general manager, he saw me the day that I was handing my magazines out after on my first issue. And he said to me, I bet you won't make it to three issues. Oh, stop. Watch me. (laughs) He didn't know how much you love a challenge. (laughs) He didn't know. And I'll tell you what, that magazine actually lasted 11 years. Wow. Amazing. And no doubt you have loads of stories of trying to run a media empire because uh, of what sort of happened subsequent to that. I mean, just the period, if you set, when did you set it up? It must've been the early 2000s, was it? So just as yeah, phones were coming in. And, oh, GFC, GFC yeah. Yeah, great timing. Yeah. That's when I started handing your own PR as well. It's amazing how for some people it's a disaster and for others we go, right, what else are we going to start thinking of to get through it? So you did that yeah. for 11 years and very successfully. I know the mag- I knew the magazine when I had um, handle your own PR. What did you, why did you decide to leave it and what did you decide to do next? Yeah, well, there's a little hiccup in that story because yeah. I actually sold the magazine. So if you remember my story earlier, I sold the magazine and that was at about five and a half years in. Yeah. Sold it, moved to Melbourne, did all the things. When I moved back to the Sunshine Coast, I actually started consulting back to the people that I'd sold the magazine to. (laughs) Right? So full circle, came back and I was consulting to them. And there ended up coming, we used to meet, you know, every week and talking about sales strategies and all these kind of things. And I I went to the meeting with the owners one day and I thought, gee, the energy's changed. Something's going on here. And they literally said, do you know what? We've had enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you take it back? So I actually bought it back off them. So it went full circle. Wow. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) So full circle and I hope you bought it. You bought it for a song, I hope, <laughs> compared to what we, you sold We're not allowed to talk about that, but yes, let's I'm just sure go you're okay. That. I won't um, ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so, you, so I that was only five or six years ago. Yeah. That was in February 2019. Now, right. when I got that <laughs> magazine timing. back, and, you know, all respect, but it was a wobbly mess. Like there was, oh, like the overheads were out of control. There was way too many stuff, way too many stuff. And so I had to be the yep. bad guy and just one by one cut all the contractors out, you know, and have people in tears and all the things. But it's like, well, there is no money to pay for this. It's overextended itself. So, Whittled it down until I got it to a nice little profitable spot. Uh, yeah. At the same time, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. So he was in Melbourne. So I was flying back and forth there. Uh, other things were happening. You know, and I've got two young kids and everything running my coaching business. 
And I just kept whittling it off, shaving, shaving, shaving to the point where middle of COVID 2020. And I was like, there's something else that has to go. And the team were like, oh, what, what else needs to go? Like far out. Uh, the magazine. Me. It literally has to go. So you think about this, you've got a print magazine that gets its readership from being, you know, hand delivered and put out to coffee shops and all the things. And we're in the middle of like COVID lockdowns, yeah. all yeah, sorts of things. Sense. I was like, it's just not viable. Um, so we, I yeah. closed that down and I turned it into digital magazine for a little while. And to be honest, it just wasn't wasn't profitable is my coaching business was so profitable and so easy and effortless. So I sent it off to bed and closed it down. Yeah, no, well, that sounds, now you've skipped a little bit in the middle of this because I knew you were during this period. And I just want everybody to know about this amazing course you did with that. So we're in Melbourne, you were about to move up to Queensland and you said, I've heard of this amazing woman and I get to travel around the world. Could I do it? And I was like, I remember at the time thinking, well, it's going to be difficult with you juggling the kids and all the rest of it. And the next thing is off you went to, where were they? All the different places you went to in one year? In one year. uh, And mind you, my youngest was 11 months old when I left the first destination. (laughs) I went to LA, Florence, Paris, and then Miami. I think that is just for me, that's the dream model for running a coaching business anyway, that's for sure. It was amazing. Yeah. I have to say it was actually so incredible. Because, of course, once you take people out of their comfort zone and put them in a different country, they're much more open and receptive, I would have thought, to learning things. So I'm not surprised that it, it did amazing things for you. Completely. You know, this is too, like you think about it, I had two really small children. I was running my own business. Um, my husband wasn't, didn't have a job. So like he's an actor, which means you have sporadic yeah. income and sometimes a job and sometimes not. And so from all intents and purposes, you probably go, oh, that's not a safe bet to go and spend. Like was a lot of money investing and then I've got to pay flights and accommodation, all the things, right? But for me, I was so excited by it and so expansive. And I truly believe that that year of me just saying yes to me, even though I had those two small children, even though all of the, the, even those that you could put, I just went, I'm going to do this anyway. And it was super transformational. And I guess I've modeled a lot of my business philosophy off that sense that uh, I do a lot of retreats with my clients. Uh, We were going to Bali a lot. I've taken them in Australia as well. Yeah. That what you said before, Jules, is when you take someone out of their comfort zone, put them into a, an unfamiliar environment, they're really open to transformation because they actually drop the identity of who they think they are. Yeah. And then they find yeah. out who they truly are. I love that. I love that. Oh my God, you're so amazing. All right. Now, um, one of the questions that I like to ask, because this is, because She's the Boss really was set up to make women more visible, because I just feel like otherwise nobody gets to hear about all the incredible women out there. But one of the questions I like to ask is, have there been any women that have helped you in your career that maybe you could do them a little shout out or tell us how women have helped you? Have there been any? I mean, some people have said no, but not many. Thank goodness. You know what? Um, 
the first person that actually came to my mind, and this is not to blow smoke, but it's actually you, Jules Brooke. <laughs> really? The first person? Well, I'm here with you too, so let's not get too excited about oh, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, you very much. But, but, I wasn't no. expecting that. I'm just uh, I'm interested to know about women helping other women, that's all. So when, um, so when I went to Melbourne and, you know, I had the publication, I had my, um, coaching business, you know, you were one of those women, you are such a connector. You were constantly connecting me with other women. And so that was completely invaluable. We even shared an office together for quite some time. So, you know, when we say we know each other, we, we literally were in oh the, my God, the that's pits right. together. I forgot. Yeah, well, yeah. I loved working with you. But have there not been any other women in those in that media career? No, no one that's standing out to you anyway that also helped you. Obviously, your mum was a great role model, but career-wise, yeah, look, mum was a great model, role model. However, I will also say it was also the worst role model you could get. And I said this with well, if she told you mom. what you don't want. Yeah, what you don't want to be. Yeah, because so so what mum showed me very much that, you know, to be independent was to be all by yourself. And I guess the question that you were asking me now was actually really challenging for me to allow myself to be uh, to be assisted by other women because right. I had such a um, lone wolf syndrome around yeah. me that it was actually hard for anyone to help me because don't worry, I've got it. I can do yep. it all. Yeah. So, Interesting. I've I've always been very like that. It's 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 something that I've had to learn as well, I think. Yeah. And yes, there've been, you know, amazing women in my life and um Linda Cooper is one of them. She was actually the the husband and wife team that had the magazine that said, you know, oh, come right. and work for us and dress like a lady for once. I love her. She's such a, an amazing woman. Um I will also give a shout out to one other lady uh, who you must interview if you have not done already, which is Kim Morrison. Kim Morrison right. owns 28 essential oils and also does a lot of self-love programs. Okay. Um, she's been one of my greatest advocates, uh, especially over the last few years. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's great to hear. Now, um, time-wise, I'm going to ask you just a couple of other little questions. One is that we've talked about burnout, and I actually do think that you have managed to master the ideal lifestyle for a sh- – I won't swear either, but a lot of women. Um, I'm interested to know how you define work and play, how you manage to organize your week to spend time with the family and not, and avoid burnout, I guess, is the big, the the underlying question is how are you pacing yourself so that, well, actually, as I say that, I know you've said I don't work very much, but I know that you do a bit. Um, How are you, how do you, how does, how's your week structured? (laughs) Yeah. And it's a really interesting question because I could say, you know, I work Tuesdays and Wednesdays from this time to that time. The kids get looked after on that. No, it is like there is no structure. Okay. There's literally, I have unhooked from as much structure as I possibly can so that I really go into flow. Now, this sounds nuts. I homeschool my children as well. <laughs> my kids no, are just, at home. Just one more thing. Yep. <laughs> 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 just one more thing. So they're yeah. at home all the time. Now, of course, they've got play dates and activities and all of that kind of thing. So 
I, I don't work much. I homeschool the kids. I have a multiple six figure business. Um, I love what I do. I'm a brilliant at what I do in terms of coaching women and showing them what's possible. And so how did I do that is I actually reverse engineered. So I consciously decided what is the ultimate lifestyle that I want to live? What sort of money do I need to live that ultimate lifestyle? What are my values in that? Like, you know, what sort of parent do I want to be? Do I want to send my kids to school or do I want to have them at home? Really set all of that about first. And this is back, you know, eight years ago, this started reverse engineering and then built a business that fitted that. Oh, I love that. I mean, that sort of reminds me of going to see Wayne Dyer. I don't know if you remember that name, but he's a, yes. uh, you know, a guru around um, growth, I guess, and I don't even know what, but the thing that stuck in my mind with that was him and those other salespeople when I was a salesperson in newspapers many years ago saying, you've got to imagine you're at the top of the mountain and you're looking back down the path that you have trodden to get there. And that's how, and that's exactly what you're saying. It's about work out where you want to be and then work out how to get there afterwards and then follow that path once you've worked it all out. Completely. So, um, yeah, amazing. You know, that's exactly, you know, and by, um, by flipping that, like the old way would be, uh, oh, I've got a business idea. It's going to meet a need and I'll just start doing it. And then what ends up happening, it blows out of proportion or, it, you know, there's no boundaries, there's no values that it was based on. And then you're trying to fix yeah. it later. Whereas if you actually get really clear from the start and then I use this phrase all the time, oh, I'm not available for that. Or I'm available for that. <laughs> so when you work out what you're not available for and what you are available for, it becomes very clear to say yes or no. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I it, you're a very, very clever woman, Janine Howard, that's for sure. Um, okay, I've got a great question that a journalist asked me um, to ask people a long time ago, and I've asked everyone so far on the podcast because it's just clever. Uh, is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? Oh my God, there so is, Jules. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? (laughs) So when I lived in Port Douglas many years ago, I joined a team of um, performers and I was in a children's entertainment band called the Spunky Jelly Babies. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great quirky fact, the Spunky Jelly Babies. Spunky Jelly Babies. Very cool name. We it's toured. one of those names that doesn't travel very well, though. Whenever we no. talk about spunks in England, they didn't quite get it the same way. No. So there was a few <laughs> little nuances, but we did quite well. We had our own merchandise. We did a wow. shopping centre tour from um, all the way to the east coast of Australia, shows at 11 and 1 each day. Wow, um, Janine. It was kind of like the a girl version of the Wiggles. Yeah, amazing. It was super fun. Oh, you are so incredible. So Janine, I could keep talking to you for hours and hours and hours, but we've got a bit of a time restraint. So if people want to work with you, if they love the sound of you, which of course they will, how, what would be the best way for people to find out more about you and to get in touch? Simply go to my website. So janinehoward.com and it's Janine with a G. G-E-N-I-N-E, Howard.com. G9. G9. <laughs> okay, so JanineHoward.com and uh, social social media-wise, what, what are your faves? Where, where can we find you? Yeah, 
Facebook at the moment is still my fave. So find me under Janine Howard, same thing. And I've got a, a Facebook group called um, Fempire. So if you just search up F-E-M-M, Pire, P-I-R-E, um, that's yep. where I do a lot of free trainings and free downloads and really about this Amazing. feminine way of, of working in your business. Oh, I just love it. Well, thank you so much, Janine. And um, hopefully people will get to see you at some of our events as you're a She's the Boss member now, and I'm delighted to have you in the group. I'm so, so wonderful to be part of this community that you have created, Jules. And I love what you said earlier, that this has just flowed and it feels like it's wanting to go through you. And that's uh, so true. I believe that you're in your absolute genius zone. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I think you are too. So I can't wait to see what you get up to next, but thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jules. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebos.com.au. 